The reading is taken from Joshua, um, carrying on our Joshua series from chapter 3, verses 14 to chapter 4, verse 9. So do open up your Bibles or look to the screens. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Matt? Great. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hope you're doing well. And uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, uh, a special warm welcome. My name is Matt. I'm on the team here, and um, I hope you had a good weekend. Isn't the sun great? Being out in the sun, yes. Uh, had our first barbecue um, yesterday, which was great. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in the summer zone, which is brilliant. Uh, we are in a series this term uh, through the book of Joshua. And um, our summer term is called our Go term. So, basically, we've spent uh, the whole year doing three different things. We gather uh, through the autumn term, where we gather together. And then uh, through from Christmas through to Easter, we grow. That's our sort of spring Lent series to, uh, that we often do. Uh, to grow our faith, dig deep into our faith. And then in the summer, we often think about going. And you might be thinking about going on summer holidays. You might be thinking about going back home if you're a student. You might be wondering where you're going this summer. Well, uh, you might be going somewhere on, on summer holidays. It might be uh, a few weeks away or a few months away. 
But we're thinking more uh, this term about how we go in our faith to where God sends each and every one of us. So uh, not quite summer holidays, but sort of where God is sending us as people of faith. And we are in uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. I love the character of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. Uh, my brother's called Joshua. I work with a Joshua. I love all Joshuas everywhere. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a very popular Christian name, as you know. Um, but um, we are spending these few weeks looking at um, the, the person of Joshua, and we're in week three today. So the first week we looked at God calling Joshua. After the death of Moses, uh, God um, commissions Joshua to lead the people of Israel. He says, um, be strong and courageous. We looked at that two weeks ago, and Isaac kicked us off uh, on that. We then looked last week at um, the spies that went into Jericho to almost do a little bit of intelligent spotting, to try and work out where the people of God were heading, what the opposition was going to look like, and to get some sort of secret information. Uh, Joshua sent two spies. They met this person called Rahab, a prostitute in the city of Jericho, who we found, found out last week uh, was someone who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Someone who says this, that we saw last week, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And we saw that Rahab um, had a special place in the history of Israel and then is mentioned through into the New Testament as well. So the first week was Joshua is called, uh, he is commissioned and not qualified. The second week was uh, Rahab, humility, not ability. She humbled herself before the true God, the God of Israel. And I don't know about you, but the Old Testament for me can seem really, really distant. It can feel like ancient history. It can feel like so long ago that we don't know where to start, that so much happens and so much of it is different culturally, different historically from where we are in 21st century Bristol today. But what I'd love to get us to think about today, that this is not just ancient history, but this is God's story. This is God's story. This is his story, not history. Got it? That's what we call tonight. This is history. His story, not just history. Hope I get that right. But today is also Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is where 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, we celebrate today, this Sunday, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The moment where the disciples, the apostles have gathered in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended back to heaven and where Jesus says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for a gift. So we're looking back to ancient history. We're looking back to 2,000 years ago. And then I'd love to look at us today. Because amazingly, the same God that we see part the River Jordan in the story of Joshua today is the same God that pours out his spirit 2,000 years ago on the people of Jerusalem to birth the church and is the same God today that we meet in this place today to worship. The same God yesterday, today, and forever. And today, if you take nothing else from this talk tonight, if your brain is sort of uh, in summer mode or um, whatever, take this message. There is power in the presence of God. There is power in the presence of God. When the presence of God comes, as it did for Joshua and the Israelites, as it did for uh, Peter and the apostles on Pentecost, when the power and the presence of God comes, 
signs and wonders happen. So I simplified it to this. In the Old Testament, God, in the Ark of the Covenant, that was the box uh, that God instructed them to carry the presence of God around. God, in the Ark, parted the waters, moved the waters to form a nation. And then 2,000 years ago at Pentecost, God in our hearts, poured out by his Holy Spirit, God in our hearts sends the fire of God, sends the Holy Spirit to birth a church. So let's look at these things in more detail then. Uh, let's turn back to Joshua. God in the ark moves the waters to, in, uh, to establish a nation. Um, now I don't know if you've ever um, got into magic or you, if you love magic tricks um, as, a, as a thing. When I was small, I loved magic. Any sort of magicians in the, in the house? Any lovers of magic? No. no. Is, is, is it just me? Um, I loved magic when I was a kid. My granddad was a bit of a trickster, a bit of a magician. He would always sort of pull off these funny little um, tricks and illusions. And he had this one that he did um, with little tissues on his fingernails. It was more of a sort of nursery rhyme than a magic trick. And it was called Two Little Dicky Birds Sitting on the Wall. Do you know this? One named Peter, one named Paul. And he would sort of make these tissues fly away. And then uh, I was sat there as a sort of three-year-old wondering what was going on. And he would make these uh, little bits of tissue on his fingernails that were supposed to be little dicky birds fly away. But actually, what, all he was doing was changing his finger and making them disappear. I thought he was sort of making them disappear behind his ears. But he wasn't. But I remember, the, the, per the reason I'm telling you this is because I was sat there as a kid. And I, was, I said to my granddad, do it again. Do that again. I was totally flummoxed as a three-year-old, as a four-year-old, as a maybe older than that. I was, and um, anyway, a few years later, I became a dad, and I decided to see whether this trick that my granddad did was actu would actually fool kids, so I tried it on my own kids, and lo and behold, it did, they fell for it as well, I was just swapping my finger around, and they thought that the tissue was disappearing behind my ear, anyway, the reason I tell you that is because I, I got into magic, and then uh, a few years later, we were at a, um, a wedding, Nay and I were at a wedding, and I remember, um, it was that moment where between the wedding and the reception, there was all this hanging around, milling around. And the, the bride and groom, the couple, uh, put on a, an amazing, uh, they had some uh, sleight of hand magicians that would just go around doing loads and loads of magi magic, keeping us entertained. And I remember um, being amazed at this magic at this wedding. And, and everyone was like, wow, do that again, do that again, do that again. Show this person what you just did. And the reason I say that is because this story is an amazing moment where I think the people of God got to this river, this River Jordan. They'd um, 40 years ago crossed the Red Sea from uh, Egypt. They'd escaped Egypt by miraculous work of God. This was no illusion. This was no sort of uh, granddad's trick. This was no sort of magic moment. This was a move of God, a miraculous moment. And this moment is where uh, God is leading his people into the promised land. This is a moment where, as we see in verse 3 and 4, Joshua tells the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. This is the presence of God to the front of the people, to lead them. He tells his people to keep a distance from the presence of God. And then in verse 5, Joshua instructs the people to consecrate themselves. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So word must have been spreading that they had got to this river and this was a sort of impassable stretch of water. 
they, they would have thought, how are we going to cross this? How are we going to get through this? What, how on earth are we going to do this? And then God, uh, Joshua says to his people, tomorrow, God will do an amazing thing. And I think word must have spread. They must have sort of thought, hang on, we've got to this moment. This, we've seen this before, 40 years ago. My, my granddad told me about this. My granddad told me about crossing the Red Sea, put, put the, the sea parting, Moses standing there, the, the people of God escaping Egypt to freedom. And the Ark of the Covenant, this, uh, this, this box that was uh, carried on poles, was seen to uh, carry the very presence and power of God. And they bring it to the water's edge. And it says this, Joshua says to them, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Then he turns to the Israelites and he says this, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. This is how you will know. We, he, this is his sort of um, hold my beer moment. He's like, hold my beer. We're going to do something amazing here, Joshua says. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And they're there thinking, do it again. God's going to do it again. God is going to do a miraculous work amongst us again. And it says there, this in verse 15, as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream piled, uh, stopped flowing and piled up in a heap a great distance away. There is power in the presence of God and the people were then able to cross the Jordan. This is a, a miracle so good, it happened twice. First with Moses, the escape from Egypt, and now with Joshua, 40 years later. Uh, this whole idea of the generations passing down, the story of God's rescue. From generation to generation, loads of the Psalms talk about the rescue of the people of Israel from the Red Sea. They talk about God's parting the seas, being um, rescuing from Egypt from slavery. I love the song that we sing uh, at the moment quite a lot, being enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. This sense that we adopt this rescue narrative, that God rescues us, that God has um, restored us and redeemed us from generation to generation. And there's this, then there's this whole moment with um, Joshua instructing the people to, once they've crossed through the Jordan, this, this moment where they, they then take 12 stones. And these 12 stones from the middle of the River Jordan are this moment where they are establishing the nation of Israel in the promised land. He says, pick up these 12 stones and put them down in the land of Canaan. Put them down into this new place that I've given you. And in verse 9, it says this amazing thing. I don't know if you clock this at the end. It says this, and they are there to this day. Now, if you're an archaeologist, um, the archaeologists think they, that Gilgal, the place, this place here, still exists. You can go on some YouTube archaeology websites and uh, videos and find if you're into history and archaeology, um, there are archaeologists and um, very geeky YouTube videos that I found um, that found these 12 stones. So check those out if you want to, um, if you really want to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. Anyway, um, and then once they've crossed the River Jordan, once they've put down these 12 stones, um, the priests go and back and carry the Ark of the Covenant out of the river. And what happens suddenly, it says this, no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground, that's the promised land, 
then the waters of Jordan, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as before. So God in the ark, God in the, the box that they were, they were carrying around in, this, this holy presence of God, this ark of the covenant, God parts the water to establish a nation. The presence of God is powerful. And my question to us tonight is this. First of all, what is your River Jordan at the moment? What is your um, insurpassable obstacle? What is your, the challenge that you're facing thinking, I don't know how on earth I'm going to cross this, how I'm going to get through this, how I'm going to get around this. What is your River Jordan tonight at the moment? It might be something to do with your work. Or it might be something to do with your career. It might be something to do with your health or your family's health. It might be uncertainty about the future. I know for me and my family at the moment, we're facing real health issues. My, my parents and my dad, my dad is not well, and we're trying to face this uncertain future in our lives, trying to trust God and say, God, we know you've been with us through generations. We know um, our fathers and our fathers' fathers, and we know that you've been with us, and we long to know your presence and your faithfulness with us. What is your River Jordan at the moment? And where do you need to know the power of the presence of God? Maybe you've seen the presence and the power of God in your life in the past. And you're in this place where you're seeking God. You're hungering after a move of God again and saying, God, do it again. I've seen you do it before. Would you do it again in my life? Maybe for you, that whole, uh, your faith maybe has, has dried up a little bit, if you're honest. And you long to, to know the powerful presence, the miraculous signs and wonders of God in your life. Maybe tonight, those words, do it again, Lord. Do it again in me. Do it again in this church. Do it again in this city. Maybe you're hungry and you're thirsty for a move of God again in your life. I love that in um, the book of Exodus, Moses, in, in Exodus 33, gets to a point where he says, do you know what? If, if the presence of God is not with me, if the presence of God doesn't go with us, don't even send me, is what Moses says. I, I can't do anything without your presence, without your strength, without you emboldening me, Moses says. I need you to help me even speak. Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't you, do not even send us from here. Do we get to that point of total reliance and total desperation on the presence of God? The old um, Welsh hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer. You know that one? Any Welsh people in the house tonight? Yeah, one, two. Don't be shy, don't be shy. A few. A few more, actually, than this morning. There was just one lone Welsh person this morning. Anyway, the, if you've been to Welsh rugby, you'll hear these words sung. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction land me safe on Canaan's side. This sort of Welsh great hymn that is sung at, um, in Cardiff to, to get behind the Welsh rugby team. And it, these, these lyrics are, um, the, the old Welsh hymn is essentially um, outlying this um, story of Joshua, but at the end of time, saying, God, would you spare us? Would you save us? Would you rescue us um, from hell's destruction onto Canaan's side to life eternal? But I think it's also applicable for our time now with the challenges that we face. What is your Jordan? What do you need uh, 
God's rescuing, redemption, God's power to save us. What are the challenges that are facing us today? Bid my anxious fears subside. Casting all our burdens, casting all our cares, casting all our anxiety on him who cares for us. See, the presence of God is powerful. It has the power to change every situation, to bring breakthrough and healing and peace and hope and new life. God in the ark parts the waters to establish a nation. Secondly then, let's look at the next, this next moment of the presence of God in Acts. This is um, Acts chapter 2. This is the day today that we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And I've simplified it to this. God now in our hearts, not in the Ark of the Covenant, not just confined to a box. God in our hearts pours out the Holy Spirit, sends the fire to birth a church. And I'm going to read um, Acts 2 in a moment. But just before that, if we rewind to the beginning of Acts, Jesus says this, John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, this water symbolism of baptism goes back to the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the River Jordan, God's saving work, God's restoration to save the people who couldn't save themselves. I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago. Uh, we had the pool down here. We had baptisms a couple of weeks ago. That moment where people die to their old self and rise to new life, saying, I can't rescue myself. I need your rescuing God. If you've not been baptized, I would encourage you to think about it, pray about it, speak to one of us. Um, reserve your spot in the pool uh, for September, which is when, when we're next doing it. And so um, the apostles, the, the believers of God, the early church were waiting in Jerusalem. They were probably still scared and shell-shocked, un unsure what was going to happen. They'd seen so much over the last um, three years. Many of them had spent three years with Jesus hearing his teachings, seeing how he related to people, uh, seeing signs and wonders and miracles, seeing incredible things, Lazarus coming back to life. And then Jesus leaves them. He goes back to heaven and they're waiting. They're simply waiting for the next move. Jesus says, remain in Jerusalem. Remain in Jerusalem. And I'm going to just read a few verses from Acts chapter 2 that then picks up the story. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here again, the power of the presence of God fell with a rushing wind and tongues of fire. An amazing, amazing moment. I don't know about you, but if I could have a time machine and go back to this moment, I would be right there. I'd be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, wondering how on earth this must have looked and seemed. There were uh, Jews gathered from all um, known parts of civilization at that time. The people gathered uh, from all different parts of the known world, uh, speaking all sorts of different languages. And God sends his spirit in order that the whole of the known world, the whole of creation, the, from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, every land, would hear the message of Jesus crucified, 
and, rose and risen from the dead. And Peter, this sort of simple, failed fisherman from Galilee, this guy who'd been chosen by Jesus to follow him, this guy who probably failed in his Jewish GCSEs <laughs> and went back to the, the fishing world that he was in, he was called by Jesus because he said, I think you could be like me. I think you can follow me and do the things that I do. Is filled with the Spirit and preaches to 3,000 people from all over the known world. And it says uh, that 3,000 people on that day, on this day, 2,000 roughly years ago, were saved. And it says this, that the Spirit is given that... Uh, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then if you sort of fast forward through Acts into the, the rest of the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament is essentially dedicated to what happens after that day, that the birth of the church happens, the, the people are sent out from Jerusalem, that uh, the apostles are sent out to, to plant new churches. It soon follows the conversion of Paul and, and then the spread of Christianity through uh, the Mediterranean, through the work of Paul and, and all of his um, church planters, essentially, the spread of Christianity just explodes from that moment onwards. Why and how? Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is no longer in a box like in Joshua. God is now in our hearts. God is no longer just in the temple for the priests, but God is in our hearts so that each and every person can know the living presence of God. And it's the same for us today. God is now here with us to strengthen us, to inspire us, to fill us, to continue that work today. Not just history, but his story, God's story. And now it's our story. God in our hearts sends the fire of the Holy Spirit to birth the church. And that is what we celebrate today. There's two verses I'm going to read, one from Romans and one from Ephesians, that says that is essentially this, this sense of God uh, pouring out his love. It says this in Romans 5, the love of God is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then Paul's prayer, St. Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus says in Ephesians 3, he prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Friends, this is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And what I love about this is that God's story today becomes our story. When we say yes to Jesus, when we open ourselves to him, he longs to pour out his spirit again on us. And I wondered as I was preparing this whether for some of us we may never have said yes to Jesus. We may never have said, God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit onto, on my life, into me. Fill me, God, from the top, uh, top of my head to the tip of my toes. Lord, would you fill me with your presence, your power, your peace? Maybe some of us prayed that prayer a long time ago. And we, maybe if we're honest with ourselves, have gone a bit dry or stale. And we, for us today, our, maybe our prayer is, God, would you do it again? Like you did many years ago. I've seen you move. I've seen you move years ago in my life. I want to see that again. Would you reignite that faith and that hunger and that ex expectation to see you move again. 
Some of you have been journeying with St. Nick's for um, the last five years. Maybe some of you have just joined us in the last five weeks. We planted this church five years ago, almost, in September. Uh, and we've seen God do amazing things in this city. We've seen people come to faith who've just literally walked in through the door and said, what is going on here? I want to find out what's going on. We've seen people come back to faith, having been away from faith for many, many years, sometimes 10, 20 years or more. People have walked away from church 20 years ago. Come back to faith. God is alive. God is at work in this city. And my hunger, my, my passion, my desire is that we would say every day, God, do it again. Pour out your spirit on us, on this church, on the churches across Bristol, that we would see God's kingdom come. That we would see an amazing move of the spirit. And what fires me up about this is when I look around the world globally, What's amazing, that as you look to the church in like the global south, in Africa and India and South America and Asia, that the church is actually growing faster today than at any point in its 2,000-year history. And I, I sort of sometimes look around the UK and think, church is in decline. I'm, I'm not sure uh, what's going on in the UK and the Europe, not sure either. But when you look to our brothers and sisters in India and China and Africa, you see uh, revival happening. You see the church growing it's estimated there's um, two and a half billion people uh, in the world who identify as Christian in the world today. But with a 1.17 growth rate, is what they think, 1.17 growth rate, which doesn't sound like much, by 2050 that number is expected to rise to 3.3 billion people. The church globally is growing. And my hunger is, is to say to God, why? Why not the UK now? Why not Bristol now? God, would you send a work of your spirit here and now, today. So, just to recap, Joshua stands at the River Jordan. God, his presence in the Ark of the Covenant, parts the sea to birth a nation. 2,000 years later, roughly, God sends his spirit on the people of Israel in Jerusalem, from not just the people of Israel, the, the known world. He pours out his spirit to birth the church. And today, 2,000 years later, he longs to pour out his spirit on us, to be his hands and feet, to be his disciples, to be his witnesses to not just Judea and Samaria, to Brislington, to Filton, to South Gloucestershire, to the ends of the world, to wherever God is calling us to be. God longs to pour out his spirit on us. He longs for his story, God's story, to become our story today. And my prayer is that we would know that God's story is our story and that we would live in it and that we would live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we're going to respond. And in a moment, we're going to share communion together. But just, just to hold on to that sense of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, why don't we just take a moment just to be still, and you might like to close your eyes, and we're just going to spend a, a little moment in quiet, just saying, God, today on this day, I, I want to know you, I want to know a fresh touch of your Spirit right now.